0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know we did not have an episode on Wednesday, but we are back today on this beautiful Friday morning edition of the Logan Blackman Show right now here in beautiful Urbandale, Iowa. If this will load, that's the problem with this. Sometimes technology just doesn't want to work with you. And for whatever reason, it doesn't load. But right now, 63 degrees. It says cloudy on here, but I've been outside today, which is not something I could say for most of the times I've recorded the Logan Blackman show, but I have actually been outside today. It's weird. I know, but it is nice. Very nice day. 63 degrees right now. And just enjoy today. That's all I'm going to say because Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are all either rain or thunderstorms, at least according to to my weather app on my phone. Yeah. The, the, the weather app on my phone is not very accurate. Like the, the one that iPhone provides, it's never been the most accurate thing. Like when I've been working out in the, when we've been doing uh what do you want to call it? Projects, uh, what property maintenance prop? Is that right? Is that right? I think so. Well, we're doing lawn care, property man, property management services, the other day or the other week, it said it was going to rain all day. And then all of a sudden, what happens? It doesn't rain until 4 30, but when it rains, it downpoured. This past Saturday, construction companies were supposed to pour on the interstate, and they did not do that because it rained or was supposed to rain, according to the app. It didn't rain a drop on Saturday. If it did, it rained very, very, very little. So they lost a the day in that because of the weather. So don't trust the weather. I mean, it's a good thing if you want to look ahead, but ninety—I'm probably about 90% of the time, it's not 100% accurate, which 90% of the time, not 100% accurate. Interesting choice of words there, Logan. Does that make sense? I don't know. But there's a 50% chance of rain today. Hopefully it doesn't rain because it's just a nice day. I have to go up to Cedar Falls in the near future. We are moving into our new place. Finally, we are getting into our new place officially starting on Monday getting the old house cleaned up it's a sad sad time but you know what the future is bright and we are super excited to move into the new house a lot smaller it's a lot smaller heck they got a couch stuck in the hallway up at our new place so when I go up there on Saturday we'll have to see if that actually (laughs) makes it easy if we can actually get it out of the hallway and move it down to the basement because the halls are are very very tight (laughs) that's the downside to having this smaller house but it's gonna be great I'm excited to get all of that stuff moved we moved my sister in last weekend and now I get to move myself in this weekend to our new place I'm excited and I'm excited for this last semester of college so this last semester though you'll be able to listen to Logan Blackman show live again on 94.5 KOLT everything you and I so you have that to look forward to in the fall. If you don't go to school, if you're if you're officially done with school, again, we said this last week, congratulations. Very impressive stuff, getting done with college. But if you're not done with college and you're like me, let's have another fun semester. It's going to be a great one. But whether you're in college or out of college, you can still listen to Logan Blackman Show live on 94.5 KOLT, everything you and I, when we come back in the fall. But as of right now, All you can do is listen to the Logan Blackman Show podcast. And with that being said, I have a great announcement. And I've already posted this on Twitter. And since this is a a podcast, this isn't live. So if if you've seen my Twitter account, then this isn't news to you. If this is days in the future, or if you're listening on this device or on this app, then this isn't news to you at all. But we are officially a part of the Apple Podcasts family. Yes, the Logan Blackman Show got added last night the apple Podcasts, and i tweeted it out today so go follow that it's got all the shows on it the spotify and the apple podcast are the same things they share the same rss link so go follow that i'm very excited to have that new way for you all to listen to logan Blackman's show because if you don't have spotify if you don't have soundcloud but you have an iphone now you can listen to that without having to download an app You just have it already on your phone, so it gives you another opportunity to listen to it, and I think this could help to grow the show a lot more than what it already is, and I've I've been really, I've been trying really hard to grow this show as much as possible, so we started off with the SoundCloud, then we went to Spotify, and now we are on Apple Podcasts. We updated the website, so go view the website as well. Got a bunch of new stuff on there. We're going to post Friday Fun Day stuff on there. Once we get into the fall, we'll start doing the unit of the week stuff like we have in years gone by, but the summer with no sports going on, there's not, there's not really a lot of units doing a lot of stuff. So it's just been, we have to find other things to do on Fridays because Fridays are different than Mondays and Wednesdays because we get to do more stuff. At least I get to do more stuff. I get to make, it gets, makes the show a little bit more interesting. That's why I loved unit of the week. So we could do the big show theme song and then give a credit, give an award to the unit of the week i think it started off with dk metcalf if that's is that right i got the notes saved on my phone for the first ever unit of the week i don't know who the last one was i can't really remember but i'd have to go on twitter and look at that i'm gonna to go to my phone right now with um, my notes i should say and look for where is this unit of the week Cause that we we've done this for a while now, but I don't think I've updated the <laughs> the notes in my phone that often. I might have not updated. Jeez, I haven't updated in a very long time. Unless this is wrong, which it could very well be wrong. I'm just not gonna look for it. But yeah, unit of the week, something I love to do. A couple of my friends from William Penn have won unit of the week before, so anybody can win it. It's not just the professional athletes. It's to everybody. It's to every single person out there that's considered that I consider an absolute unit. Sometimes weeks are harder to find units doing stuff than others. But you know what? They'll always show their heads up as the week ends. I guess. I don't know. But here, since there is no unit of the week, we got Friday Fun Day for you. And today on this Friday Fun Day, with the last dance not being on this, or last dance and ending this past weekend, I found a tier list on TierMaker.com, so you can make your own tier list wherever you, whenever you want to. I found one, Chicago Bulls players since 2010 tier list. Now, if you remember this from Monday, because again, we didn't have a show on Wednesday, I said one of my documentaries that I want to see happen is the early 2010s Bulls with Derrick Rose, Joaquin Noah, Tom Thibodeau, Luol Deng, Carlos Boozer, like that team. I want to see a documentary about that team because it, they went from 41-41 and 41 in 2009 to 62-20 and 20 the next year with Derrick Rose winning the MVP, going to the Eastern Conference Finals, eventually losing to the Miami Heat, then Derrick Rose's injuries and all that stuff, Tom Thibodeau and his relationship with the front office, which eventually saw him go on to Minnesota. Like, there's so many things. The Fred Hoiberg situation. Like, you can go from when they were the top of the Eastern Conference and then the slow yet at the same time, slow and rapid decline after the Derrick Rose first ACL tear against the Philadelphia 76ers. Then you have the return and all that stuff, the players they signed, the Jimmy Butler trade, but before that getting Dwayne Wade, getting Rajon Rondo, completely building a team that doesn't fit Fred Hoiberg's style style of offense, and then once you do get that style of offense implemented with a Zach Levine, a Kobe White, Lowry Markkanen, auto porter you know what we do we axe Fred Hoiberg and get the human blob fish Jim Boylan in to take over as head coach Fred Hoiberg got absolutely shafted by Gar and Pax and his time with the Chicago Bulls Fred Hoiberg would be it should be the head coach of the Chicago Bulls right now this team that the Bulls have right now fits what he does as a head coach four out of the five starting starters in that starting lineup can shoot When Fred Hoiberg was there, they built a team with Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, all great players. None of them can shoot except for Jimmy Rajon Rondo cannot shoot Dwayne Wade touchy shoot. It's not a very good outside shooter. I think he had the best three point shooter shooting year of his career in his year in Chicago. Like now we're building a team that fits what Hoiberg wants to do. And then you kick him out the door because you're making him play with jaron grant like that's not on fred hoiberg that's on the ineptitude of the front office now we're starting to get back to some positive signs now we could look at some of the hot prospects in college basketball because jim boylan is not going to be the head i would hope jim boylan is not the head coach in the near future of the chicago bulls and there was a lot of reports that said oh he would be shell-shocked he would be floored If he was replaced as the Bulls head coach, that should be the least surprising thing out of anything ever. Jim Boylan is a terrible head coach. The players hate him. The fans hate him. There's not one person other than Jim Boylan and maybe his wife. If he's married, I don't really know if he is no one likes Jim Boylan. And I'm reading an article right now on Pippin Ain't Easy. Kenny Atkinson is apparently the next guy in line to be the Bulls head coach. He was the former, new I almost said New Jersey Nets, former Brooklyn Nets head coach. They were the sixth seed last season and the seventh seed entering the playoffs as of Saturday. But they were on a little bit of a, a downward slide, but that's also because of Kevin Durant not being there with Kyrie Irving being in and out of the starting lineup. That's we're out of the team in general, I guess. But I, th- it's, as it looks like right now, the, they think that Kenny Atkinson should be the next head coach of the Chicago bulls. And i for one would be fine with it because you know why? Cause it's not Jim Boylan. It's not Jim Boylan first head coaching job was of the Brooklyn Nets and took them from a terrible place back to the playoffs when the Brooklyn Nets traded for Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry they traded away their entire future to the Boston Celtics Boston Celtics are in the playoffs every single year the Brooklyn Nets were one of the worst teams in the NBA and the Celtics when they would make the playoffs, they kept retooling because they had a top five draft pick every single year. And yet, Kenny Atkinson turned the team around and got them to the playoffs 20 and 62, 28 and 54, and then 42 and 40 in his second to last year's coach of the Brooklyn Nets. He resigned in 2019 2020 with a 28 and 34 record. But what he did with the Brooklyn Nets getting them to the playoffs. It's nothing short of spectacular what he did with that team. Because they were awful. They were terrible. 2016-17, 20-62. The exact opposite record of what the Chicago Bulls record was at the start of the decade. This team was atrocious. The Boston Celtics, with the draft picks that they got from the Brooklyn Nets, won the Atlantic, the division, and the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The quickest turnaround of all time, drafted Jalen Brown, third overall, and the team just started going ham. The Bulls, honestly, in that series, they were the eighth seed, 41-41, and 41, should have won that series. But Rajon Rondo got hurt, and that completely shattered the Bulls' hopes of winning that series. They really should. They were... Uh, they were They should have won the series. Just saying it like it is, they should have won the series. If Rajon Rondo did not get hurt in the first round of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, I firmly believe the Chicago Bulls would have won that series. They're up two games to nothing, winning both games in the Garden. Rajon Rondo gets hurt, and then it just goes downhill from there. In Game 2, Rajon Rondo had nine rebounds and 14 assists. And the Bulls won 111 to 97, and then you go in the next game without Rajon Rondo, with three players having three assists in the game for the Chicago Bulls. They lose 104 to 87, then lose 104 to 95, lose 108 to 97, and then 105 to 83 with Jim with Rajon Rondo out, and I believe Jaron Grant was running the point. Jaron Grant is not a distributing point guard. <laughs> He's not a starter in the NBA at all, but that was sad because in the beginning, in the season, Jerry Grant was the best point guard the Chicago Bulls had at the time. But they, which was which is terribly sad. It made, it makes me upset that that was the case for the Chicago Bulls at that time. That Jerry Grant was the best point guard the Chicago Bulls had because Rajon Rondo's plus minus was miserable. And Jaron Grant, the famous crossover of Steph Curry. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was my background for a little bit. I have a group chat with two of my friends from high school. It was a Bulls group chat. And that was our, our like, group chat picture. Now it's of Chris Dunn smashing his face on the ground. The upside down Jumpman logo. It's that one now, which it hasn't changed in years. But that picture is just so awesome, you can't change it. But yeah, the Bulls should have won that series. What, Kenny Atkinson. I would be cool with him being the next head coach of the Chicago Bulls. If he can turn around the Brooklyn Nets, the Bulls are more talented than the Brooklyn Nets at that time when he took over the Nets. I think he can flip that thing around. The Bulls have a starting lineup. That's all that matters. We have starters. The bench is a completely different story. You have Kobe White, Zach Levine, Porter, Larry Markinen, and Wendell Carter. Now, depending on who you want to draft, you can slide one of those guys to the bench, or who you side in free agency. So if you get an Anthony Davis, Wendell Carter goes to the bench, your bench is instantly better. You draft a Tyrese Halliburton and move Kobe White to an off-guard spot and have him coming off the bench like a Jamal Crawford type thing. Jamal Crawford entering the league was the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. And then he started coming to the bench, and now he's one of the greatest sixth men in NBA history. Kobe White can do very much the same thing. Now, I hope, unlike Jamal Crawford, he stays in Chicago – for a long period of time, because I love Kobe White, but he could do that, and if Tyrese Halliburton comes in, there's your assist king, Tyrese Halliburton just needs to pass the ball, he, like, he could be your Rajon Rondo, you score about 10 points a game, but to get around 10 assists, that's all you need, the Bulls don't really have that many great passers on this current roster, I would be really cool with drafting and Tyrese Halliburton, and if they get, somehow, this is like, the ultimate prayer, if they somehow get Anthony Davis, good lord. That team would be instantly improved. Because then you have Tyrese Halliburton in the starting line. Now your starting lineup, if you get Halliburton, is Halliburton Levine, Otto Porter, Markin, and Anthony Davis. With coming off the bench, Chris Dunn, a def- a very underrated defender, could do that Marcus Smart role. He can't shoot as well as Marcus Smart, and I don't think he should be starting. But early in Marcus Smart's career, that's what he was, that defensive specialist that would annoy the crap out of every other player on the team or on the court. Now, he doesn't, Chris Dunn doesn't flop as much as Marcus Smart, so that's good. Kobe White comes off the bench to be your flamethrower off the bench. That Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, Jason Terry type person. Wendell Carter comes off the bench to add some rebounding, some defensive stalwarts like Chris Dunn, but getting down low would be another great addition there. And you could probably get some more players in free agency. The GM is new. All of the people in the front office are new. So the Bulls, hoping they come back as soon as possible. So with that being said, let's go right into our Bulls, play, Chicago Bulls player since 2010 tier list. We have an S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, and D tier. We're just going to go in order of where they are on this list. And we're starting off with a throwback. Omer Ashik, who was the backup center to Joakim Noah for a long time, or not a long time, but a few years in Chicago, eventually went down to Houston and put up some good numbers while being the starting center of the Houston Rockets before eventually getting replaced by Dwight Howard. But he put up some decent numbers in Houston. He averaged 10 points a game starting all 82 games the first year he left Chicago, averaged a double-double, and then Dwight Howard came in and he lost his starting job. But in Chicago, he was just a big guy coming off the bench. He started two games in two years in Chicago, averaged 3.1 and 2.8 points per game. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't anything spectacular. He wasn't terrible. We'll put him in the C tier. David Nueva is the next one. He didn't really play that long for the Chicago Bulls. He came over from, I believe, the Los Angeles Lakers. If it wasn't the Lakers, then he came from the Cavs. I can't remember which one it was. He came from the Cavs or he came from the Lakers. He came from the Lakers. Okay, sweet. He didn't really do anything in Chicago. He averaged 7.9 points a game, played one year in Chicago before going to Cleveland. It was a C-tier. He didn't do anything, but he wasn't bad either. He wasn't a bad option coming off the bench. He was very, uh, I don't, do you want to call him talented? I mean, he could jump. He could, he had hops. He had some bunnies on him, but yeah, he didn't really do a great deal of anything while in Chicago. Next one, Etuan Moore. Uh, Etuan had a very good second half of his career in Chicago, like the second part of his two-year stint in Chicago. And then he went to New Orleans and started playing a lot more, and he started scoring a lot more, showing what he's more capable of. But in Chicago, his first year, didn't do anything. He actually got some significant playing time in his second year in Chicago before going to New Orleans to where he became a starter before eventually... Losing a starting job, but he, he's not a full time starter, but he'll start quite a bit of games for the Pelicans. And for, well, just in his time in Chicago, his second year was much better than his first year, but we're going to throw him in C tier. He just didn't do a lot in his time in Chicago. Uh, next one Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson's career in Chicago alone can be summed up by the LeBron James block. That's all we need to talk about in the playoffs. David Robinson goes in the B tier. Or Nate Robinson. I don't know why I said David Robinson. Nate Robinson. Is a Chicago Bulls cult hero. Everybody loves Nate Robinson, who played, who's a fan of the Chicago Bulls. I think there's a lot of people that there's a lot more David Nate. I keep saying David Rob. Nate Robinson fans than not. He averaged 13.1 points a game, was a very good spark off the bench for the Derrick Roseless Bulls, and got to the conference semifinals. This was the year that Joakim Noah came fourth in the MVP voting. Like, this team was not supposed to do anything. Derrick Rose was injured, so this team wasn't supposed to do much. But they did, and it was very, very fun to watch. You had Kirk Heinrich, Nate Robinson as the point guards, and they were just really fun. They weren't, uh, they were, they weren't, like, aesthetically pleasing to watch with Joaquin Noah bringing the ball up the court every once in a while, but they were tough. They didn't back down from anybody. And they were, awesome. they were just an awesome team to watch. I loved watching that Chicago Bulls team. And Nate Robinson, with the block of LeBron James, was huge for Chicago Bulls fans. And they won a game in the series, so that was impressive. But Nate Robinson goes in B-tier. Carlos Boozer! Uh, he was a little disappointing in Chicago. Him and Rip Hamilton were a little disappointing when they came over to the Chicago Bulls. But started every game he was in, started every game he played in Chicago, averaged above at least 13 points a game every year. He went down every year though, which is not great. Started 79 games, his second to last year in Chicago. He wasn't the same player he was in Utah. He was consistently averaging a double-double. Like in his last four years in Utah, it was 20-11, and 21-10, 16-10, 19-11, and then in Chicago, it was just around 10. Never got over the 10 mark, was 17-9, 15-8, 16-9, and 13-8. But Carlos Boozer, though frustrating at times, still goes in the B tier for the Chicago Bulls. Chris Dunn uh, came over in the Jimmy Butler trade with Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen. Um a lot was expected of him. He hasn't lived up to extreme expectation of being a top five pick by the Timberwolves, although for a few years ago, but he's a very good defender. I don't think he's a starter, but he's a very very good defender so I'll throw him in C tier. Next one, Mason Plumley. Sometimes you or Miles Plumley, sometimes you forget he was on the Bulls, but he just goes in the D tier cuz you just forget he was on the Bulls. Next one, Quincy Pondexter. Again, sometimes you forget he was on the Bulls. D Aaron Brooks, D. He didn't like we're finding players that you've kind of forgot or even on the Bulls for that short period of time, like they didn't have, their, like Nate Robinson, he played one year in Chicago, but we remember what he did in Chicago, because of the block on LeBron James, Aaron Brooks is, I guess you could throw him up in C tier, he had some success in Chicago, started 21 games in his first year in Chicago, Bulls finished 50 and 32, lost in the conference semifinals again, but Yeah, I I don't know. I'm going to throw him in C-tier. He had a decent stay in Chicago. Quincy Pondexter, though, he he didn't do anything in Chicago. He was just there. Didn't do anything special. He barely came off the bench, so he just stays in D-tier. Rajon Rondo, he goes in B-tier. Because, again, like I said before, if he doesn't get hurt against the Boston Celtics, the Bulls win the series. They won the first two games in the series, and in the last game Rajon Rondo played, as we said, 14 assists and nine rebounds. He was carrying the Bulls in the playoffs. It was, it was a revelation because he was so bad in the regular season. In the playoffs, he was the reason we lost the series because he didn't play. He was hurt, so he goes in the B tier. Cristiano Fel- Felicio. Now, if we're talking about fans' perspective of him, he goes S tier. Over we're talking about the actual player, he goes in D tier, <laughs> Cristiano Felicio. Um, yeah, there's, he signed that massive contract and every Bulls fan loves Cristiano Felicio. Like, I don't think you can find a Bulls fan that dislikes Felicio, but yeah, he just hasn't done, he hasn't done anything in the bull. He's averaged what his career high is 5.6 rebounds or uh, points a game, 4.7 rebounds a game. He started 20 games in his time in Chicago, signed that contract, but he just <laughs> – I don't know. Do you put him in S-tier? He's been – I'll throw him in S, or C-tier. C-tier, not S-tier. He's better than Quincy Pondex or Miles Plumlee. I'll i will put him in C-tier. Next one, Ronnie Brewer. Uh, He was on those Bulls teams with Derrick Rose that got to the Eastern Conference Finals. De- he threw the alley-oop pass to Derrick Rose against the Pistons. The, I want to go higher – one from Stacy King, that one, Ronnie Brewer threw that alley-oop pass, but he didn't really do any. He was more of a, he came off the bench. Him and Kirk, or uh, uh, Kyle Korver came off the bench for the Bulls teams and provided a little bit of spark. He was the defensive guy. He could shoot a little bit, but didn't do a lot for the team. So I'll throw him in C tier. Brian Scalabrini, I don't think I need to say anything. He goes in S tier. I don't really need to explain anything about my decision to put Brian Scalabrini in S tier. Chandler Hutchison, he is a new guy. He was drafted the same year as uh, what's his name, Wendell Carter. As we talked about earlier, he's been hurt about ninety percent of the time he's been in Chicago. He hasn't done anything in his time in Chicago. He starts every once in a while, but he hasn't done a whole lot since he's been in Chicago. I don't want to throw him in D tier, so I'll throw him in C tier because he hasn't played, hasn't done anything. He just been hurt and. When he plays, he does decent, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Doug McDermott, Iowa guy, he goes in C-tier. Um, great shooter. Love, love Doug McDermott. Love Dougie, Dougie Buckets. And we've already seen that he's probably going to be the next Kyle Korver. Just bounce around the league all the time, but he can shoot the lights out of a building. So that's what he's good for. Uh, His best year in the NBA was his last year in Chicago before getting traded to Oklahoma City. Uh, for, oh god, we don't need to talk, we'll talk about that player later, but yeah, he, the most notable thing he did for the Bulls was switch numbers to number 11, so Dwayne Wake were number three, he didn't do anything spectacular, he was a decent player, but yeah, C tier I think is where it belongs, I've never known how to say this dude's name, so if I butcher it, which I'm probably gonna do, I need to get, uh, Timothy Luau, Cabro, I did not say that right at all, he played one year in the Bulls, now he's over at Brooklyn, he didn't D tier, he didn't do anything, he was there for half a season, he played 29 games in Chicago, and he got traded from Oklahoma City too there, so yeah, I don't know, Mike Dunleavy is the next Bull on this list, Mike Dunleavy was a good starter for the Chicago Bulls, very good shooter, always been a good shooter been a great shooter throughout his entire career he was always a good player always consistent player for the Chicago Bulls so he started a lot he started quite a bit in his time in Chicago I'll throw him up in B tier he had some decent success while playing for the Chicago Bulls and he was part of some decent Bulls teams in his time there Dwayne Wade legendary shooting guard but not a legendary Chicago Bulls player but he'll go in B tier he was a decent player for the Chicago Bulls in his one year in Chicago. And, yeah, I mean, not, he didn't do anything spectacular. I mean, he was decent for the Bulls, but, yeah, 18 points a game, four rebounds, three assists, 1.4 steals, started six, 59 games. Yeah, I think it got to the first round of the playoffs. I'll put him in B tier. Legendary player. Should have counted the Bulls a lot sooner with LeBron. When LeBron made the decision, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach type thing. Should They should have all connected in Chicago. Whatever. Taj Gibson, he goes up in B tier as well. Taj Gibson was awesome. I love Taj Gibson. I think every Bulls fan loves Taj Gibson. He was an old guy when he got drafted. He's an older guy in the league. He was like, well, how old was he when he got drafted? He was some old dude in the draft. That Oh, it doesn't have it listed on here. I thought they would list it. I guess not. But he was an old dude when he got drafted. But in the Bulls, he was a good player for the Chicago Bulls. I loved watching Taj Gibson. He was a consistent player for the Bulls, and sometimes he exceeded expectations. Last year in the Bulls, 11.6 points a game, 6.9 rebounds. Career high, 13 points a game, where he played all 82 games. Started 70 games his rookie year, averaged 90, 9, points, 9 points a game. He was a good player for the Bulls. I love, I love Taj Gibson, so I'll throw him there. Pau Gasol, there's our first A-tier guy. Pau Gasol was awesome for the Chicago Bulls. I love Pau Gasol. Love him. Love Pau Gasol with everything I have. 18 points, 16 points, got a double-double each year start. Every game in Chicago, he was a great player for the Chicago Bulls. I was so happy when they signed him, and I'm just upset they didn't perform as well as we expected them to but he carried over the exact same thing he was consistent his entire career everything he did in los angeles he did so in chicago he had a career high in rebounds his first year in chicago with 11.8 so he had some great success in chicago for on a personal level so i'll put him in the a tier rip hamilton we talked about this earlier with the expectations on rip hamilton it just was disappointing all the way around. It was just a disappointing signing. I mean, he didn't do what we thought he would do because he came in as one of the most legendary Detroit Pistons players of all time. Part of their championship team went to two finals with the Pistons. So three time all-star, but he just, it was just disappointing his entire time in Chicago. From what he came from, what we were expecting, he never played 82 games, which he didn't going into the season. In total, he played 78 games in Chicago in two years, which we should have seen that coming because he hadn't played that a lot of games. He didn't play over 50 games in Chicago. Played 50 games one time, started 45 of them in his last year in Chicago. Rip Hamilton, I love Rip Hamilton. because The mask is legendary, but he goes in C tier. From what the expectations were, like, oh, we finally replaced Keith Bogans as starting shooting guard. And then it just didn't it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. He's just hurt all the time. Which is unfair to put him as low as I am, but whatever. He was hurt all the time. So you have to put him that low cuz the expectations for him were decently high. Kyle Korver B tier cuz Kyle Korver was he was awesome coming off the bench for the Bulls. Start, played all 82 games in 2010-11, scored 8.3 points per game, was coming off a career-high three-point percentage in Utah. But that Bulls team was a 62-20 and 20 team, and he was a big part for what that team did. Eight points a game each year in Chicago would just shoot the ball. That was what he did. He just shot the ball like crazy in his time in Chicago. They were very good both years he was there, a little underachieving, By the Chicago Bulls, but that could be going down to Derrick Rose's knee injury in his next year in Chicago where they lost the first round of the playoffs because Rose got hurt. But he was awesome. Kyle Korver was a fan favorite in Chicago, and he'll go in B tier. Denzel Valentine, he's been a disappointment. He goes into D tier. He hasn't done anything in his time in Chicago. It's been very disappointing. The entire Denzel Valentine's career in Chicago has just been – a raving disappointment pretty much he's been he was hurt all of last year or all of this year I guess he hasn't played in for freaking ever first round draft pick and he just hasn't done anything he hasn't been very good for the bulls i mean he averaged 10 points a game like hey, and you know what we'll throw him up in c tier i'm not going to throw him in d tier that's a little mean to denzel denzel's been hurt a lot he'll be a good option coming off the bench when he's back and healthy playing for the Chicago Bulls. Next one, John Lucas. The, he could do the same thing with Chris, with a uh, Brian Scalabrini and go up in the S tier just because of how good he was for a, a few games. But the sad thing is, he got dunked on and absolutely destroyed by LeBron James when the Bulls were playing the Miami Heat. Terrible, terrible stuff there. But overall, in his career, Chicago's in C tier. He had a great couple games for the Bulls, but. That was about it. Joaquim Noah, he goes in A tier. Joaquim Noah gets hated all around the league. No one really likes Joaquim Noah. When he got drafted, we talked about this before. Bulls tried to trade him. Bulls didn't like Joaquim Noah when he first got drafted in Chicago. And then he became a Bulls legend. He was the heart and soul of that Bulls team that, without Derrick Rose, got to the Eastern Conference finals or semifinals, Eastern Conference semifinals. Joakim Noah came fourth in the MVP voting and won the defensive player of the year. Joakim Noah was the Bulls' starting point guard for a little bit. Not listed, but he would randomly bring the ball up the court. And I miss watching Joakim Noah play basketball. As awkward it was as it was to watch, he is a Chicago Bulls legend. He is. That MVP caliber season, he averaged 12.6 points a game, 11.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, and 1.2 steals and 1.5 blocks per game. Joakim Noah was the heart and soul of that Chicago Bulls team. Played 35 minutes a game in a team that lost. Went very had a very very good season. Went to the, oh wait, what am I looking at? I'm on the wrong season. His MVP season was not the Eastern Conference semifinal season, was it? Nope, it was not. That was the year before. But you know what? Whatever. He still had a very good year the season before, but he was just hurt all the time. This year he was a fully healthy player and was just very, very, very good. I could honestly put him in the S tier, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. First team All NBA, 2014, two time All Star, defensive player of the year, two time defensive all first team. That 2013 to 2014 to 2014 era of joke you know was his best. And now it's sad that he's not really playing as much. I think he's on the Clippers now, technically. Yeah, he's on the Clippers, so we'll see if he actually does something there. Luol Dang, he goes in A tier too. I love that because I don't need to really think about those two. Those two are so easy to just think about and go, yep, as A tier. Easy. Luol Dang was the only good player on the Bulls for a while. Before Derrick Rose, it was Luol Dang's team which, like Scottie Pippen when Jordan wasn't there, the Bulls didn't really do that great, even though he was a very good player for the Bulls. He'd play 40 minutes a game consistently. He was always there. Never came off the court. In two years, he led back-to-back season, he led the league in minutes per game. He averaged 19 points a game, which is career high, in his last year in Chicago. Granted, he only played 23 games, but he was awesome for the Bulls. Underrated. Bulls legend, Luol Dang. Jaron Grant, uh, D tier. Yeah, I yeah. Sorry, dude. I love Jaron Grant. I love the meme of Jaron Grant, but yeah, I can't put him anywhere higher than D tier. <laughs> I just I just can't. I can't put him anywhere else than that. He had, didn't do anything his entire time in Chicago. He's a very frustrating point guard, especially to Kurt, uh Fred Hoyberg. Who was always yell at him to bring the ball the court with some sort of passion and some sort of drive or something? He hated that, and then he had to start. He had to start him because Rajon Rondo was struggling, and now the next player on the list, Paul Zipser. A lot of people might have forgot who Paul Zipser was. He started thirty games this time in Chicago. Played ninety eight games, averaged four point seven points per game in his time in Chicago. Yeah, he goes D-tier. He didn't do anything in Chicago. He just didn't do anything there. Uh, Derek Rose, S-tier, the greatest player past Michael Jordan in MB- in Chicago Bulls history. The youngest MVP in M- NBA history will have his number hanging in the rafters next to Jordan Pippen, Bob-, Bob Love, and Jerry Sloan, which, speaking of Jerry Sloan, I got an update a little bit ago. He died at 78 years old with comp from complications due to his Parkinson's disease so I very sad news coming from the world of the NBA and just the world of I don't know I don't really know how to word that but I thoughts and prayers to Jerry Sloan and his family in this dire in this sad time but his Chicago Bulls legend Utah Jazz legend as a head coach sad you hate to see those kind of things but Derrick Rose you would expect his number to join those jerseys we listed before in the rafters in Chicago. Derrick Rose brought hope back to the city of Chicago in his time as the point guard of the Chicago Bulls. The youngest MVP of all time. And it was one of the saddest days ever when he got traded to the New York Knicks. But you knew it had to happen, but it was just so sad to think about. Like, Man, he averaged 25 points. He won the MVP now he's getting traded for Brook Lo or Robin Lopez and Jose Calderon, and Joakim Noah was going along with him. So it was like, this is so weird, the new era of the Chicago Bulls. And then you watch that series that he had or that episode I think it was on Stadium, where about he found out that he was traded, and the tears and the emotions that he had, it just meant everything for him to be a Chicago Bull, and he brought hope back to Chicago Bulls fans and just the city of Chicago in general I'll always love Derrick Rose he's always going to be my favorite basketball player of all time I have his fat head in my room I have a couple jerseys I had the shoes, I had the socks, short shirts I had everything Derrick Rose no one has ever captivated me in basketball like Derrick Rose has I think a lot of Chicago Bulls fans can say that especially if they're on my age maybe a little older too Derrick Rose was awesome, and he will always be a Chicago Bulls legend. He's the greatest player since Jordan, so he goes in S tier. Speaking of Robin Lopez, here he is, Robin Lopez. He goes in B tier. Never did anything special, but was just always there, consistent figure for the Chicago Bulls. Now he's with the Milwaukee Bucks. I love Robin Lopez. I think every single Chicago Bulls fan loves Robin Lopez. Everybody loves Robin Lopez in Chicago Bulls. I think he's just universally loved in general. So he goes in B tier. That free throw line jumper was automatic every single time he did it was money in the bank. Next one, Kirk Heinrich. He goes, ooh, where does he go? B tier or A tier? Because you might think of that and laugh about Kirk Heinrich being in the A tier, but Kirk Heinrich was awesome, first of all. He was my favorite player on the Chicago Bulls. He was my favorite player before Derrick Rose got there. Iowa kid from Sioux City came to the Bulls, dominated his first few years out of the league, or out of the coming into Chicago. This time, the second stint in Chicago, so I guess we get, okay, so this is a 2010 Bulls players list. If we're going, I guess he left Chicago in 2010, then came back, if we're going off the second stint, yeah, he'll go in B tier, but he's still one of my favorite players of Bulls history. Captain Kirk Heinrich. Easily B tier, at the least. Next one, Nazir Mohammed. Um, he didn't do anything. He was just kind of there. He really didn't he really didn't do anything, to be honest. I mean, he ha- his career high for the Bulls was two point six points per game. And he averaged one point six and one point two. I mean, he didn't do anything. I think we'll have to throw him in D tier. I mean, I mean, for what his role, what even he didn't come in to be the starter. For what his role was, I guess he did it pretty well. But yeah, it's he just didn't do anything. Next one, Otto Porter. I think Otto Porter goes in B tier, but I think that he could be higher if he doesn't. If he stops getting hurt, he's gonna be awesome. He has a career high in points per game. In his half season in Chicago last year. 17.5. Shot a career high in free throw percentage. three Career high in three point percentage. Career high minutes per game. Career high assists per game. He goes B tier. I think he'd go higher once he starts playing. And starts getting hurt as much as he has. I think he's played a grand total of 24 games in Chicago. So if he stays healthy. Then he could be a great player. For the Chicago Bulls. And moving up in the list a little bit. Next one. Was it Antonio Blakeney? He... What do you say about Antonio Blakeney? He didn't... I don't know. He's averaged... We'll put him in C tier, I guess. I mean, he didn't do anything. He averaged around eight points a game in his time in Chicago. Is he still there? Or is he a free agent? I don't know. He's a free agent. But he did decent in his time in Chicago, so he'll go C tier. Cameron Payne, the worst trade of all time, and the worst... Player in Chicago Bulls history, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne is terrible. One of the worst players I've ever watched for the Chicago Bulls in my entire life. Cameron Payne made me frustrated to be a Chicago Bulls fan. He was semi decent in Oklahoma City. He was hot garbage in Chicago. He goes D tier. He might go lower than D tier. Ryan Archidiakono, he'll go C tier. He's like Antonio Blakeney. Wasn't drafted. But has a very decent role in the Bulls, and Ryan Archdiacono has a role on the Chicago Bulls. He he will always be around the team. He switched his number to fifty one from fifteen to give it to Chandler Hutchison. So you were like, okay, now he's gone. But no, he started. He played eighty one games last season, scoring six point seven points per game. Ryan Archdiacono I really like the guy. I love him on the Bulls brings that little fighting spirit to the bulls a little underdog philly spirit to the bulls and i love it next one zach levine the best player since derrick rose in chicago uh or maybe you could argue someone else too but we'll talk about them in a little bit but zach levine goes in a tier he hasn't had the same impact as derrick rose so he won't go in s tier i think derrick rose is the only one that will go in s tier on this list but zach levine has been awesome in his time in chicago 25 points a game. Stunned from the All-Star game, he's literally carrying the Bulls on his back. And if he gets some help, the Bulls could actually be very, very good. I'm excited for the future for the Chicago Bulls. Next on the list is Wendell Carter. He'll go in C tier, maybe B tier. We throw him in B tier or C tier. I mean, he's uh, he's played one year for the Bulls. He was hurt pretty much. The he's been hurt pretty much all of this year. Didn't play a lot last year. We'll put him in C-tier just for right now. That's just because he's been hurt. Hasn't played a lot. So, yeah, C-tier is fine for him. Maybe we'll move him up to B-tier. He's like top of C-tier. Michael Carter-Williams, D-tier, terrible player. Uh, One of the most overly confident players in NBA history. One rookie of the year, and then it was all downhill from there because everybody hated him because everyone's like, you think you're better than what you are. Sucked for the Bulls. Next one, Tony Snell, D tier as well. Another terrible player for the Chicago Bulls. One of my least favorite players, along with Cameron Payne, in this era of Chicago Bulls basketball. Hated him. He's a terrible player. And the less said about him, the better with Tony Snell. <laughs> Next, Marco Bellinelli. Uh, he'll go in C tier. He had some decent success in his time with the Chicago Bulls. He was that, he, he'd come off the bench. Do some madness. Do shoot some threes. He only played one year in Chicago. He, had, he was good in his one year in Chicago. Went to the Spurs the next year. Had more success with the Spurs. I might throw him. He's better than the players that I have in C tier. I'll put him in B tier. Lowry Markin, again, B tier. Uh, young players, struggled with his health, but can shoot the lights out of a gym when he's playing. He just needs a better coach. Jim Boylan just needs to go, and Lowry Markin will thrive. I love Lowry marketing. I think every Bulls fan loves Lowry marketing. And I hope him nothing I I think he'll have a ton of success whenever we get a new coach in Chicago. Next one Jimmy Butler, A tier. I love Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite players in NBA history. Why? Because he was constantly constantly viewed as an underdog. He wasn't drafted high. He was the last, one of the last picks in the first round or he was the last pick in the first round. Then he became a five-time All-Star and has just been dominant ever since. His first year in Chicago, 2.6, then 8.6. And then he led the league in minutes, 2014-2015. And then he just shot up from there. He was so mad that he wasn't improving as much as he was, he turned off his cable and internet. He went from 13 to 20, then 20 again, the 23, 22. And now he's one of the, toughest players in the league and in, in, on the Miami heat starting the Miami heat's quick turnaround Jimmy Butler has that Michael Jordan mentality that today's era cannot handle look what he did in Minnesota he destroyed Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins he played with the second team so he could beat up on those two and they'd still win he has that Michael Jordan mentality he's he has that the closest thing to that mentality that we've seen in the NBA since Jordan or since Kobe. Because I forget, Jordan played. It's not been that long since someone's had that similar mentality. Jimmy Butler's a killer. And he's vastly underrated as far as top NBA stars. And I loved him in Chicago. One of my favorite players in Chicago Bulls history is Jimmy Butler. If I was building my all time favorite Chicago Bulls team, it'd probably be Derrick Rose, Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler. Pau Gasol, and then Joakim Noah. Maybe you could throw Lou Dang and substitute him for Pau Gasol because I love both of them equally. But Rose Levine, Butler, Noah, I think are all locks from my favorite team. And Kirk Heinrich is my sixth man coming off the bench. But Jimmy Butler's awesome. I love Jimmy Butler. I love his attitude. He's not very well liked in NBA locker rooms because of his attitude. So that's why we talked about Michael Jordan in today's NBA locker rooms. Jimmy Butler kills people in today's NBA locker rooms. What would Jordan do to these people? Jimmy Butler goes in A-tier, though. Love Jimmy Butler. Justin Holliday. Uh, interesting player for the Chicago Bulls. Starting shooting guard for quite a bit. Came over from Oklahoma City, I believe. And, or no, he came over in the Derrick Rose trade. I forgot. Or did he sign from... I don't remember how that whole thing went down. Decent player. Started every game he played in Chicago. Um, uh, Frustrating a lot at times. He'll go in C-tier. He was very frustrating... He thought he was a better shooter than what he was. And, yeah, it showed. He he ticked me off a lot in his time in Chicago. Not saying he was a bad player. He was a good player. He started every single game in Chicago. But that showed how bad the... That was more a testament to how bad the Bulls were at the time than how good Justin Holliday was. Or is. Next one, Luke Cornett. I believe this is Luke Cornett. And... Well, if it's not, then I'm sorry to whoever this is. Luke Cornett has started in his time in Chicago. But, the, yeah, he shouldn't be starting. He goes D-tier. He, he just goes D-tier. I don't really need to think about that one. Bobby Portis, um, he was a decent player in his time in Chicago. He's playing a lot better now, now that he's not forced to come off the bench. I think he could have started a lot more games for the chicago bulls but he was a good option coming off the bench especially in his last year in chicago that was his best year in chicago because he aver- he averaged 14 points a game then he went to washington along with jabari parker it did stuff there but i think overall he's just a c tier i don't know how- you might want to put him in the b tier but no i'm putting him in c tier next one i don't know who this is I don't know who this is. My guess is Shaq Harrison, but I don't really think that's Shaq Harrison. I don't really know what Shaq Harrison looks like, to be 100% honest with you. So now I got to look this up because now I'm – I got to see if this is him because if it is, then I can give a firm opinion on how then what I think about this person. But if it's not – I think it is. I need to sit up so I can actually <laughs> look at the te- – look at the computer. I think it is, that is that's that's that that is that's Shaq Harrison yeah okay so Shaq Harrison is the last, one of the last players on this list hasn't played a while hasn't played a lot in Chicago he's played some he's played some decent stuff in Chicago started a lot of games this past year he's a point guard but he's been playing shooting guard small four he play everywhere pretty much uh he's a c-tier player uh, he hasn't done a lot in his time in Chicago, but he's a good team player, a good team option. Nikola Meritich divides opinions across Chicago Bulls fandom. A lot of people hate this guy. Um, I'll put him in C tier. He wasn't great. I think he's he's like he thinks he's better than what he is, which is his downfall, which is why he's not in the NBA anymore. He's over back in Europe, I believe, with Real Madrid or Barcelona, one of those two teams, and. Yeah, that was really his downfall in his time in Chicago, was he thought he was a better player than what he was. That was probably one of Hoiberg's not, not great decisions, starting him over Joakim Noah. It wasn't very favorable for the Chicago Bulls fans, but to fit Hoiberg's offense, that made a lot of sense. Then you have a bunch of shooters on your team, at least you thought, but then he brought in people that can't shoot as well. So there's a little downfall from Miritich. And the next one, Wayne Selden is the last player on this list, He he hasn't done it. He didn't do anything in Chicago. Uh, he's got scary eyes. And yeah, that's all I can really say about Wayne Seldon. I mean, what has he done? In he scares me. When he looks at me, he scares me. I don't really like it. Makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. But Seldon, but, uh, do you put him in C tier? You throw him in D tier. I mean, he's not the same level as some of these players up here, but. I don't know. I might still Shaq Harrison in D tier too, because I'm looking at the players I have in D tier or C tier. They're not as good as those players up there, but I don't know. Shaq Harrison started a few games for the Chicago Bulls. So I'll put him up in C tier. I'll throw Wayne Selden D tier still. Yeah, that's my tier list. So yeah, on the top tier, Scalabrini and Derrick Rose, I think those two are unchallenged. A-tier, Pau Gasol, Joaquin Noah, Luol Deng, Zach Levine, and Jimmy Butler. Then we go Nate Robinson, Carlos Boozer, Rajon Rondo, Mike Dunleavy, Dwayne Wade, Taj Gibson, Kyle Korver, Robin Lopez, Kirk Heinrich, uh, Otto Porter, Marco Bellinelli, and Lowry Markinen. C-tier, Doug McDermott, Omer Ashik, uh, David Nueva, Etuan Moore, Chris Dunn, Aaron Brooks, Cristiano Felicio, Ronnie Brewer, Chandler Hutchison, Rip Hamilton, Denzel Valentine, John Lucas, Antonio Blakeney, Ryan Archdiagno, Wendell Carter, Justin Holliday, Bobby Portis, Shaq Harrison, and Nicole Meritic in the D tier, Miles Plumley, Quincy Pondexter, not even gonna try and say the French guy. I don't remember how to say his name. Timothy something, Cabarro. I don't know. Jaron Grant, Paul Zipser, Nazir Mohammed, Cameron Payne, oh jeez. I'm struggling. I'm Michael Carter Williams tony snell luke Cornette, and wayne seltz so that's my tier list so i'll post that up on twitter so y'all can view it and i'll post that on the website as well because we got friday friday fun day every single friday i'll post those up on the website so those are our tier list for today hope you enjoyed listening to the tier list if not tough because there's no going back now might change this around a little bit as i'm taking my break but you never know it might say the exact same but With that being said let's take a quick break We'll come back. we got some more great stuff to talk about with you today. So hope you all stay tuned for more Logan Blackman Show after this short little break. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Logan Blackman Show on this Friday, pre-noon, Friday morning edition of the Logan Blackman Show. reminder that the Logan Blackman Show is now available on Apple Podcasts. We found that out last night. So this podcast will be going up on there as well as Spotify and SoundCloud. So, if you want to listen to it, I would greatly appreciate it. It'd be super cool if y'all did that. And yeah, the new show is going on there, so stay tuned for that. Go check out the new format that we're using. I feel bad for SoundCloud. That was the first one that we used, but it's slowly getting phased out as we get closer to the school year. SoundCloud just slowly fading away. It faded away completely. For a couple months and then I brought it back because I was like, ah, I might as well use it since it's since it's there. Let's just keep on using it. And yeah. Now we're here. So yeah, go follow the new Apple Podcast account for the Logan Blackman show. That's a better way for you to listen to it. Because if you don't have SoundCloud, you don't have Spotify, you have the app already on your phone if you have an iPhone. So just go listen to it there. It's a lot easier to do that instead. And before we dive into our next talking points here on the Logan Blackman Show, let's go over some scores from the KBO. So here we go. Tuesday, my on Bears playing the NC Dinos lost 5-4. to four. Sad game for the Doosan Bears. NC Dinos come out with a win there. Kia beat Lote 9-2. Kiwoom beat SK 11-6. KT beat Hanwha in a high-scoring game, 13-11. And right now, the hottest team in the league other than the NC Dinos, the LG Twins beating Samsung 10-6. Let's go over some of the games from that weekend or from that day. Again, KT versus Hanwha, high-scoring game. So get this. In this game it was 13 to 1 going into the 7th inning. Going into the top of the 7th inning, 13 to 1. Hanwha destroys 9 runs in the top of the 7th to bring it to within 3. And then they get one run in the ninth. Sadly, their run stopped there in the ninth inning. They lost 11 to 13. 18 hits in the game for KT while Hanwha got 11 in the game for Hanwha, Park Young Gil had two hits, two RBIs, and three at-bats. Lee song had one hit in the game, but had two RBIs and scored two runs in the game. Lee Hei cheng had one hit and three RBIs in the game for Hanwha. And yeah, just a, a closer game than what, what KT was expecting going into the top of the seventh. I don't think they were expecting a nine-run inning from Hanwha into that the NC Dinos will go over this game real quick over Doosan 12 hits in the game for NC 10 in the game for Doosan it was just not enough in the end for the Doosan Bears as they dropped to 11 7 and 5 NC is 11 and 1 now on the season and game, Mike Wright the pitcher for the NC Dinos gave up four hits five walks five struggles but had zero runs scored on him in the game so impressive stuff I guess pitching there for him, five walks not great, but the zero earned runs is nice. Let's go on to Wednesday, with Kia beating Lot six to zero, Samsung upsetting the LG Twins three to one, SK beating Kiwoom five to three, KT beating Hanwha in a much more lopsided game eight to one, and the Doosan got revenge against NC on Wednesday two to one in the game Samsung versus LG. Samsung moved to five and nine, LG lost their fifth game of the season. For the Twins, Tyler Wilson pitched seven innings in the game, gave up two runs, had six strikeouts in one walk. You'd think that'd be enough, but it was not as Samsung prevailed over the LG Twins. Kuja Wook had two hits in the game with a run scored. Just a nice little game there for the LG, for the Samsung Lions, not the LG Twins. For the Doosan Bears, taking it again over, or taking it back, Against the NC Dinos, dropping them to 11-2 on the season. Doosan now 8-5. and five. five hits in the game for NC, but it wasn't enough in the end. The Bears got a run in the bottom of the 11th to end the game. Winning the game for the Doosan Bears. 2-1 to one was the final score there for NC. Kucheng Mu pitched eight innings, had seven strikeouts. But he sadly did not pick up the win in the game, Chris Flexen had 10 strikeouts for the Dusan Bears and eight innings pitches, a very good pitcher's duel in this game for both teams. Both teams' starting pitchers played very well, but Dusan got it over in the end. Yesterday's games, we had Hanwa beating KT 9-4, to Keebum beating SK 9-8, Kia beating Lote 6-1, to LG coming back and beating Samsung 2-0, and then NC Dinos taking the Dusan Bears to the woodshed. Twelve to six was the final. They're scoring nine runs in the ninth inning alone. Going into the ninth inning, the score was four to three in favor of the Doosan Bears. They scored nine runs in the ninth inning, hit nineteen balls in the game, and got the win over the Doosan Bears. NC, as we've said, twelve and two on the season. Not what you were expecting if you were the Doosan Bears. Lee, Bo- Lee Hong Bong. Lee Hyung Bum gave up five runs, and Choi Won Joon had four runs given up in the game. Not a great outing for Lee Hyung Bum in the ninth inning. One walked, three earned runs, three hits. Didn't even get credit for an inning pit. He didn't get a single out in the game. And then the guy replacing Ji Won Joon, four earned runs in the game with one strikeout. Not impressive stuff in the bottom of the ninth inning. Or top of the ninth inning for the Doosan Bears, which is why they lost 12 to 6. And today, Hanwha beat NC Dinos 5 to 3 in a little bit of an upset there. Kia beat SK 2 to 1. Lotte beat Kiwoom 9 to 7. Doosan came back, beat the Samsung Lions 12 to 7, and LG beat KT 5 to 6. In the Hanwha vs. NC Dinos game, Hanwa 7 and 9 now on the season, beating the now 12 and 3 NC Dinos. Hanwell got out to an early 2-0 lead, got their fifth run in the fifth inning, and NC, after the sixth inning, didn't score a single run. Just not a great game from the NC Dinos. Kind of slept on kind of slept Han in that game. Doosan beat Samsung 12-7, got 15 hits in the game, the Bears did. Jose Miguel Fernandez had three hits, six RBIs for him in the Doosan Bears. Samsung, on the other hand, didn't really have a lot of action going. On their bats, no one had very amazing performances. Kim Hyung Gun had two hits, two RBIs in the game for the leading batter for the Samsung Lions and LG, winning again 10-5 on the season, 6-5 over KT. In that game, Park Kyung Soo had two hits and three RBIs in this game. While well, Rojas Jr. had two hits and one run scored in the game, and Cho Young Bo, Cho Young Ho. Had three hits and one RBI with a run scored in the game there. Ossimar Despaigne had six hits, one earned run, and three strikeouts in the game. No walks, which is very impressive. Despaigne again, very nice little performance there. Seven innings pitched in the game for KT, but it wasn't enough as Casey Kelly in the pitcher for the LG Twins. Seven hits, four strikeouts in the game in six innings pitch. Jin Hway So had two strikeouts in his inning pitch for the LG Twins as they picked up the win there. Che Young Swung had the leading batting totals for the LG Twins. Two hits, two RBIs, and a run scored for the Twins as they move on to 10-5. Second best team in the league right now is the LG Twins with the Doosan Bears right behind them at 9-6. and six. Tomorrow's action... We have KT versus the LG Twins in this game. KT right now. Oh crap! Oh, there. I almost I almost exited out of the <laughs> of my thing. KT six and nine on the season. See if they can get revenge over LG. Doosan playing Samsung at Samsung. Hanwa versus NC Dinos. Can the Dinos bounce back in this game over Hanwa? Kiwoom playing Lotte and Kia going to SK. KT versus LG is at midnight tomorrow morning, or tonight, I guess. And then Doosan and all the rest of the games play at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then we got games on Sunday, Hanwha versus NC, Kiwom versus Lote, Doosan versus Samsung, KT versus LG, and Kia versus SK. All of those games will be at midnight, and we don't have action again until Tuesday, where we'll have SK versus Doosan, Samsung versus Lote, Kia versus KT, LG versus Hanwha, and Kiwoom versus the NC Dinos. It's been fun kind of fall follow- it's been fun following the KBO I mean not I'm not intensely following it like oh my god I can't believe that this happened it's more of just I'll look at the scores and I like looking at the scores of the KBO it gives me something to do during this time where we don't have a lot of live sports but there will be live sports again this weekend with the Bundesliga we got a game today we have Hertha Berlin versus Union Berlin a battle of the biggest the capital of Germany at least I Berlin's the capital of Germany right now, I'm doubting myself. I'm pretty, I'm like 100% sure that's the capital, but I don't want it. I, I want it to be the capital. Yes. Oh, sweet. Okay. Capital of the nation, battle of the nation's capital, Hertha Berlin versus Union Berlin. Second straight week of live Bundesliga action going on this week. Premier League will be starting up, I think, June 20th, I think is what they said. So look out for that. in the last few matches against. Union Berlin. Hertha Berlin has won. And they, they haven't played a lot over the years. They played in 20, 2019 in November. Union Berlin won 1-0. Their last game before that was in 2013 where both teams were in the, Bundes, the Bundesliga 2. And they drew twice and Union won once and Hertha Berlin won once. So it's a very close game. Both teams are 11th and 12th in the standings. Herder Berlin's currently one point above Union Berlin in the standings. Winning their last game, Union Berlin has lost their last two, so you would hope for their sake, they can bounce back against their inner city rivals. Moving on to Saturday in the Bundesliga, we got Paderborn versus Hoffenheim, Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Bayer Leverkusen. We have Wolfsburg versus Borussia Dortmund, which should be a very exciting game. Freiburg versus Werder Bremen, and Bayern Munich versus Oh, geez. Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt beat Bayern Munich 5-1 to the last time these two teams played, which is a complete reversal of what happened the last time these two teams played before that, where Bayern Munich won 5-1. to Eintracht Frankfurt currently sits 13th in the Bundesliga, where Bayern Munich, on a four-match winning streak, sits first with 58 points in that last game against Eintracht Frankfurt, 5-1 to in, in favor of of Eintracht Frankfurt back in November a very very weird game very very weird game and there it's not like Bayern Munich was struggling or didn't have their best players Lewandowski was there Coutinho Thomas Muller Alfonso Davies David Alaba Joshua Kimmich like Serge Gnabry all of those players were there just was a down game for Bayern Munich in that one you would hope that they could bounce back for their fans' sake. I don't really care what Bayern Munich does, but for their fans' sake, you would hope they could bounce back. Dortmund versus Wolfsburg is going to be a very exciting game. Both teams won their last game and currently sit in the top six of the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund has dominated the recent meetings between themselves and Wolfsburg, winning five and drawing one between the two teams, and hasn't allowed a goal to Wolfsburg in the last six matches they have played 3-0 Bor- Borussia Dortmund, 2-0, 1-0, 0-0, 3-0 and then 3-0 again. So it's been a while since Wolfsburg has scored a goal against Borussia Dortmund. You would hope they do that here. They're much behind, they're very far behind Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga standings, 54 points to 39. But you would just hope that they could bounce back from that one. In the last game against Dortmund again, 3-0 back in November. Just a good overall game. From Borussia Dortmund, Torgon Hazard, Raphael Guerrero, and Mario Goza all got goals in the game. See how they do this time against Wolfsburg. See if they can actually bounce back against Borussia Dortmund. Because they're going to need it. They haven't beaten them. They haven't scored in forever against Borussia Dortmund. So you'd hope they just break that goose egg this weekend. Schalke for Sunday. Schalke is taking on Augsburg. They got Mainz taking on RB Leipzig and FC Köln taking on Frutuna Dusseldorf RB Leipzig one of the better teams one of the more exciting teams in Europe is playing 15th ranked Mainz this weekend RB Leipzig has currently drawn their last three Mainz has drawn their last two so whoever de- who- you would expect Borussia Mönchengladbach and Gladbach or not geez RB Leipzig to get the win here the last time these two teams played was an 8-0 drubbing by RB Leipzig back in November 8-0. 8 nil Timo Werner had three goals and three assists in the game. Poulsen had a goal in there as well. Sabitzer had a goal. Nakuku had a goal and two assists. Halstenberg had a goal. Mukele had a goal in there as well. Just an overall dominating game by RB Leipzig in this game. Just not even close. It was just miserable for RB Leipzig miserable miserable you would hate I you don't want to see another 8-0 loss do you you don't really want to see that that's not something you really want to look forward to but we got some exciting games this week and I hope you tune into those those should be on the Fox Sports Networks FS1 I bet we'll have the Bayern Munich game on this weekend because they're at home and Bayern Munich at home they're definitely not going to not show that game. But also I would hope they'd also have Wolfsburg versus Borussia, Borussia Dortmund. Uh Bayer Leverkusen versus Borussia Mönchengladbach could be a very interesting game well, as well Mönchengladbach sits third while Leverkusen sits fifth. Both teams won their last two games. Both teams have won 3 out of the last 6 games with the last win coming with Borussia Mönchengladbach 2 to 1 over Bayer Leverkusen at Bayer Leverkusen this one's back at Borussia Mönchengladbach so will we see the same thing happening here I don't know it's the beauty of soccer things can change in a matter of instance it could change like that nothing's guaranteed except in some of the other leagues where all the best teams are guaranteed to win but that one top five matchup between Gladbach and Leverkusen could be a very very exciting game so make sure you stay tuned for that so those are your games to look forward to this weekend for as far as live sports go. Looking towards the fall, we're gonna have some live sports. At least we hope we have some live sports. And one thing we hope is that college football is back this fall. That is what we're hoping. That is the ultimate goal to have college football back. I am 90% sure the NFL will be back. The NFL can handle it. College football is different because you got all the kids going into the dorms and all that stuff. Got bigger stadiums in college football, too. And so that's going to be the challenge here. How they're going to be able to do this. You would think and hope that it would come back, but is that realistic? I don't know. I want college football to come back. I need college football to come back. Cause I love college football. You and I was supposed to have an amazing year this year. One of the favorites to go to the FCS championship game this year. They're playing North Dakota state in their first home game of the year reigning national champions, North Dakota state Trey Lance, one of the top quarterback prospects in the NFL in the 2021 NFL draft want to upset North Dakota state at the Unidome. That place is going to be packed if fans are allowed, which as of right now, it doesn't look like fans will be allowed. If there is college football at all this season, the NFL could totally see it happening. I'm I'm on the, I'm on the case that says the NFL is coming back college football, I hope is coming back. But we hope without hope. What 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 is the, what does they say? Um, what is the Star Wars quote? Um uh, Oh crap, it's in Rogue One. What does she say? Something is built off hope, but I don't remember what it was. So that's what we're gonna use for this. But with college football coming up, I thought it'd be fun to do a way too early, and I mean way too early. Prediction on who will win their respected conferences. We'll go through each conference. We've got the AAC all the way down to the Sun Belt Conference. We're going to try and pick out who will win the East, who will win the West, and who will win the full gosh darn thing. So going into this, we'll start with the AAC. Cincinnati and Memphis met in the, A- the American Athletic Conference Championship game last year with Memphis coming out on top. I think as far as the West goes, I think it's between Memphis and SMU. Navy is without Malcolm Perry, their starting quarterback, who was now with the Miami Dolphins. So that's a little bit of a downside for Navy. See how they replace him at the quarterback spot. But SMU returning with Shane Bouchelle and coming off a 10-3 season, you would expect them to challenge Memphis. I don't know how good Navy's going to be this year because Malcolm Perry was a huge part of their offense. The quarterback for Navy is always huge. So if they can't find a quarterback, their offense is trouble. They need a quarterback that can run the offense smoothly. Because when they don't, their team struggles. Keenan Reynolds was a GOAT. Ricky Dobbs, GOAT. Malcolm Perry, GOAT. But don't know who's going to replace him. I expect Sam Boussel and SMU to come second. Memphis, Brady White is coming back. Now, they have, they have lost their head coach. I think he's now the head coach of Florida State. So that's going to be a challenge. I think SMU will push them super hard. If not win the conference or win the West, but I'm going to give it to Memphis just slightly over SMU in the West. As far as the East goes, I'm going with UCF. Yes, they lost Gabriel Davis to the Buffalo Bills, but they got a, new, a quarterback coming in, or still he's coming back, Dylan Gabriel, who had a very successful year, his first year as a starter. I think UCF will retake the crown over Cincinnati. It's not saying Cincinnati is not a good team. I just think this year. UCF will take it from him. I think it'll be a very close race, but I'm gonna give it to the UCF Golden Knights. They lost starting running back Michael Warren this year, who's a thousand yard rusher. Desmond Ritter, I don't is he coming back? He is coming back, so we'll see how he does. He had 18 touchdowns, nine picks last year as a sophomore. So we'll see. He comes back in his third year as the full time starter. He also was second on the team in rushing with 650 yards and five touchdowns. So we'll see how they all do. Jared Brooks, Jared Dokes in that for that matter, a big physical runner. See if he can handle the Reigns as the number one running back going into this season for Cincinnati. I think it's going to be close. I think the AAC, much late last year, is going to be a very close and highly contested conference. But I'm going to go with UCF and Memphis winning it. And this is way too early. This could change like that. Memphis is without their head coach losing in the Florida State. I don't think Houston, if Houston saw Derek King, I think they could challenge, but Derek King's gone. He's with Miami. They're not challenging anybody. They were the worst team in the conference other than UConn at home last year, and UConn lost every single game in the conference last year. So I think it's between SMU and Memphis for the West, and I think it's between UCF and Cincinnati for the East. I'm going to go with UCF over this because I think they have a better quarterback. Very lame way to do that, I know, but that's what we're doing. ACC if Clemson doesn't win the ACC something is terribly wrong if they don't win the national championship I'll be shocked as well but I'm I'm, I'm gonna go with it they're winning the Atlantic for the coastal I think it's gonna be between Miami and North Carolina North Carolina's got one of the most talented quarterbacks in college football in Sam Howell true freshman quarterback last year put up great numbers as a starter for the North Carolina Tar Heels Miami's got Derrick King and a very, very talented edge rusher whose name escapes me right now. But they've got some talent on Miami. They finished 6-7 and last year, came third in the conference on the coastal side. So we'll see how Virginia does without Bryce Perkins. Virginia Tech could probably still challenge up there too. But I want to go with a dark horse here. Sam Howell is a very talented quarterback. Last year, and is in his first year starting for North Carolina, He threw for 3,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 7 picks while completing 61% of his passes. Very impressive stuff there. They're also returning Michael Carter, a 1,000-yard rusher from last year. You expect his touchdowns to go up. He only had three rushing touchdowns last year, so you expect that to go up. Jamonte Williams is coming back as well, 933 yards rushing and five touchdowns for him. That's basically 2,000 rushing yards between two running backs that are both coming back. They didn't want the rushing touchdowns to go up from the season before, but you know what? They are they got a talented quarterback that could spin the ball and get it to all his receivers. And his two top receivers from a year before, Diami Brown and Daz Newsome, are both coming back. Diami Brown had 1,034 yards receiving last year with 12 touchdowns. Daz Newman had a 1,800... Jeez, 1,018 yards last year with 10 touchdowns. Both of them are coming back, then you got Bo Corrales is coming back as well as the third in the team receiving yards Rantavis Groves, also Rantavis Groves, also coming back so you got your top four receivers your top two running back, and a quarterback that's one of the best in college football one of the best young quarterbacks in college football coming back North Carolina is going to win was it the coastal side of the ACC? yeah, I'm going with North Carolina North Carolina versus Clemson in the ACC championship game with Clemson coming on top I think Duke could be a dark horse. They got one of the most, probably the best backup quarterback in the country, Chase Bryce, over from Clemson. He's going to be the starting quarterback for Duke this year. So Duke might surprise some people, but I'm going to go with their North Carolina neighbors, North Carolina, winning the conference. Miami could challenge there. I love D'Eric King, but I think North Carolina's got more talent. They're returning a lot of people. I think North Carolina is going to win the coastal side with Clemson winning the Atlantic. Big 12, Oklahoma wins this one. Uh, Spencer Rattler is supposed to be the most talented quarterback Lincoln Riley has ever had, so a lot of people are still expecting high things from Oklahoma. Very, 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 very high things from Oklahoma, even with a true sophomore quarterback. That's what their th- expect- expectations are still high. See if their defense is still there, still is better than what it was last year. Lincoln Riley's never been the best defensive coach in the world. Kenneth Murray is gone, so that's going to be a big blow to their defense. See how they replace him. But I really like Spencer Rattler. They had great success with a transfer quarterback last year and Jalen Hurts in his first year starting. Spencer Rattler is supposed to be more talented than the likes of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray before them, who both won Heisman's. Spencer Rattler, if he's as good as everybody says he is, Oklahoma should win the conference with ease. Uh, Baylor, I don't know how good they're going to be. They lost their head coach, Matt Rule, to the Carolina Panthers. So I don't know how they're going to do Texas. I think they could challenge a little bit or be one of the better teams in the big 12, Sam Ellinger coming back. I think that could be a big help for Texas. Very talented quarterback. Not a lot of people like Sam Ellinger and I completely understand why they don't like Sam Ellinger, but he's a talented quarterback. They should be up there And Iowa state could surprise some people. They were supposed to surprise some people last year, but they just did typical Iowa state things and went seven and six Brock Purdy one of the best quarterbacks in college football, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football because he plays for Iowa State. Iowa fans won't want to admit it, but he is. And I'm an Iowa fan, but I'm going to admit Brock Purdy is a very, very good quarterback. Uh, Then you got Max Duggan at TCU, young quarterback there. Is Skylar Thompson still at Kansas State? I don't know. But Kansas State will always be around average to somewhere at the top of the conference. I don't know what they're going to do. But – Oklahoma should win the conference this year big 10 the east Ohio State uh they were in the college football playoff last year Justin Fields is coming back they they should be right up there yes they lost JK Dobbins yes they lost Chase Young but Ohio State just craps out talent they lost both their starting corners but you can't look past Ohio State KJ Hill is gone now so they might be pressed a little bit harder than what they were last year but they're still super talented Ohio State can replace people. That's what Ohio State does. I think Penn State will be the team that challenges them the most this year. Sean Clifford coming back as a starting quarterback for Penn State. Had some success as a quarterback. Very physical runner as a quarterback for Penn State. They could challenge, easily challenge, Ohio State this year. Michigan came third in the East last year, but they don't know who their starting quarterback is going into the season. Right now, I think the favorite's Dylan McCaffrey because he played some some minutes last year but you also got Joe Milton and Cade McNamara who are coming in also trying to shoot in for that starting spot those are the three that are challenging from the starting job at Michigan Dylan McCaffrey Cade McNamara and Joe Milton both have very they're, they're all different they're all different Joe Milton's the biggest six foot five 245 pounds he's a sophomore Dylan McCaffrey six five two twenty Cade McNamara six one two oh five Kate um Dylan McCaffrey played some last year. Didn't show anything spectacular, though. So, if he does win the starting job, Michigan fans will have wanted him to improve on last year. Two Tagaviola is coming to Maryland. You got Greg Schiano coming to Rutgers. Uh, I think Rocky Lombardi's going to take the starting job at Michigan State. Indiana surprised some people last year as well. So, the eastern side of the Big Ten, unsurprisingly, is going to be very tough as always. But I think Ohio State, yes, they lost a lot of people but they still are very, very talented, and Justin Fields still there, it's just, you, it's hard to judge when college team loses people, because you don't know how the people are going to replace them, they lost a lot of very talented players, two, three first rounders from last year, two corners and defensive end, it's not easy to replace, but I think if anyone can, Ohio State could replace them, in the West, I think it's Wisconsin's to lose, I think Minnesota could be very, very talented this year, they were very talented last year. Tanner Morgan's coming back. Bateman's going to be back. He was one of the top receiving prospects in next year's draft. One of the best receivers in college football. But Wisconsin, yeah, I just think they're going to win the West. And Iowa, their schedule's hard. Iowa's schedule's not very easy. And you got a new starting quarterback in Spencer Petras. And you go back-to-back weeks of at Ohio State, and at Penn State, losing Tristan Wirfs, losing... A Japanese losing Michael Ojemudia, losing Geno Stone. How I will replace them? We'll we'll have to wait and see. They're still got talent. Tyler Goodson's there. Spencer Petrus from everything that you've been reading about, is very talented. Peyton Mansell transferred, so you got the what's his name? Deuce Hogan is probably going to be the backup to Spencer Petrus this year. But Tyler Goodson's still there. He's a very 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 talented running back. Should have got more playing time than he did last year. See if Oliver Martin, who can see if he can get some more playing time this year. Amir Smith-Marset, Brandon Smith, Nico Regani. Very, very, very... Tyrone Tracy. Very talented wide receivers Iowa has. Deepest receiving core Iowa has ever had, according to a lot of people, around the team. Now, they still got one of the top tackle prospects from this year's class in Alaric Jackson. Expected to be a first-round draft pick this year. So, I just just as Iowa as my expectations for Iowa go I just expect them to win seven or eight games every year nine games on a normal schedule but with a tough schedule this year nine games gonna be hard Iowa State's gonna be tough you and I though they're an FCS team one of the favorites to win or go to the FCS championship game this year they're gonna be tough Iowa State's gonna be tough at Minnesota is going to be tough Michigan State always plays Iowa tough whether it's home or away Then at Ohio State and at Penn State, not easy games. Then at Purdue, Wisconsin, Nebraska, like, this schedule's not easy. If I'm looking at this right now, I expect seven wins at the least. I think they can get to eight wins. I think it'd shark off Ohio State, Penn State's losses right off the bat. I think they'll probably lose – I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to – I hate saying they'll lose to certain people. Like Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, I hate saying they'd lose to those people. But Minnesota is going to be a tough game. So if that, if you lose those three away games, there's already nine and three, and their schedule's not that easy after that. I don't. It's going to be a tough year for Iowa. See how Petrus does in his first year as the starter at Iowa. But I expect it to be a two-horse race in the West with Wisconsin and Minnesota. See if Iowa can throw their name into the hat there. But I think it's going to be Wisconsin to lose. Conference USA, Florida Atlantic lost Lane Kiffin. There, Willie Taggart's coming in. Willie Taggart's not a good head coach. He's just not. So, in the eastern side, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky winning this side of the conference. I think they could. They started off a little slow last year, but came back and performed very well towards the end of the season. Ty Story, former Arkansas quarterback, is coming back. Ty Story. A lot of you won't get that, but you know what, whatever. J. -J 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 Edge. Walker, I don't even know how to say the name, is coming back, 1,200 yards rushing last year with eight touchdowns for him. Lucky Jackson, a 1,000-yard receiver from the season before, is coming back, four touchdowns for him and 1,100 receiving yards for him last year. I'm going to go with Western Kentucky, surely off the fact that Lane Kiffin is gone and Willie Taggart is in. I've seen what Willie Taggart does at all the organizations he's been at. They never do that great afterwards. As far as the West goes... I'm going to go to with Louisiana Tech. They had the best overall record in the Western part of the conference last year, but came second in the overall standings to UAB. Both went 6-2 in the conference. Uh, Louisiana Tech, they're always one of the better teams in that conference. They did lose their starting quarterback at Jamar Smith, who's now with the New England Patriots. Justin Henderson, a 1,000-yard rusher from the season before, is coming back. He was in the running for a unit of the week last year. He had 15 rushing touchdowns last year. This will all be based on if Aaron Allen comes in and can prove he's going to be the main guy. He had three touchdowns, 446 yards passing in his time at Louisiana Tech last year. So we'll have to see how he does going into this season. But they're always up there. Louisiana Tech is always mentioned at the top of the conference USA. I think UAB and the, I think just UAB and Louisiana Tech will challenge those two spots. Easily, I think those are the two best teams in the western side of the conference. I think it's a three-horse race in the east with Kentucky, Western Kentucky, Marshall, and Florida Atlantic. I think Florida Atlantic's going to struggle because of the fact they lost Lane Kiffin. But Western Kentucky, I, they're, it's going to be a tougher conference. Conference USA, going to be some tough this year. I think Notre Dame will win the independent conference. And then the, the MAC. I'm going to go with Buffalo winning the eastern side of the conference. Buffalo came fourth in the conference last year. Visiting five and three. The Mac western side, or eastern side, is a little tough. A little tough. They're returning their starting running quarterback. They're returning their two starting running backs from the season before who had a grand total of 27 touchdowns between them. They're returning their starting wide receivers. Like, their leading receiver from last year, Antonio Nunn, is coming back. But the key thing here, Jarrett Patterson, 1,800 yards rushing with 19 rushing touchdowns. As the running back for Buffalo is the number one guy, is coming back. Kevin Marks, 1,035 rushing yards and eight touchdowns, is also coming back. I think Buffalo wins that side of the MAC conference. I think they might win the MAC in general. I think they've got the MAC this year. They're a very talented team. Miami, Ohio could be tough. Brett Gabbert, brother of NFL legend Blaine Gabbert, is going into his second year as the full time starter. They won the conference last year, won the Eastern side. I don't know if they won the full conference, but they should be good again as well. As far as the West goes, it's between the two Michigan schools. You would imagine, and Central Michigan went six and two last year, uh, eight and six overall. Then you had Western Michigan going seven and six, five and three overall. Both teams went undefeated at home. This one's really a toss-up between the two Michigan schools. Battle of the two, two of the lesser-known Michigan schools. Remember our fake trophies we always give out every single year in college football Quentin Dormady passed for 2300 yards last year um as far as I know is coming back (laughs) uh 14 touchdowns nine picks for him David Moore passed for 1100 yards last year but he's suspended this was two months ago he'll be available October 10th won't be available till October 10th against Northern Illinois so he won't probably be competing for anything this year you got Jonathan Ward who had 1100 yards rushing last year now gone but thankfully Central Michigan State uh their state Kobe Lewis is coming back he also had a thousand yards rushing and 12 touchdowns to go along with that for the Chippewas of Central Michigan as far as Western Michigan is concerned again five and three in the conference last year came second in the western side. As far as they go, for their returning starters, Joe Wozniak is returning. three 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 8 picks last year. Then you also have an 1,000-yard rusher in Levante Bellamy. 1,400 yards, 23 touchdowns for Levante Bellamy. Psych! Now gone with the Denver Broncos. It's a big loss. That is a, a big, big loss. Sean Tyler, 390 yards rushing last year, 5 touchdowns. He's coming back. That was their second leading rusher last year. 1400 yards, 23 touchdowns is a lot to replace. Can our boy do it? Can he do it? Can they do it? You got Carson Strong who's now trans What what is this? This isn't what I want. Why are all these names here? These name it's on Nevada for some reason. Why did it go to Nevada? I'm looking at Nevada stats right now. and I didn't even click on anything. But short, uh, I'm going to give it to Central Michigan, winning the Western side again. Again, close with Western Michigan. So at Buffalo versus Central Michigan, I'm going to give it to Buffalo overall, returning some very, very talented players there. A lot of yards and touchdowns to replace for Western Michigan to be challenging like that this year. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Uh, for the Mountain West, Boise State wins the Mountain side. Their starting quarterback is coming back this year. He was a true freshman last year. He had some struggles last year, but I think he'll come back and perform well. Utah State is without Jordan Love, now in the NFL. They had them performing a lot better than what they actually are, so they, I don't think they'll be challenging. And Air Force, they like to challenge Boise, but I'm going to give it to Boise over the Air Force Falcons there. For the West, uh, Hawaii lost Kate, uh, Cole McDonald to the NFL, got drafted by the Tennessee Titans, very good quarterback, For Hawaii. It's going to be tough to replace him. So I'm going to give it to San Diego State. In the West. Just because it's harder. It's going to be hard to replace Cole McDonald. He put up great numbers. For Hawaii last year. Uh, So Boise State versus San Diego State. I think losing Curtis Weaver is going to be a big blow for Boise State as well. But the points scored on offense. They scored 328 points last year. Which was the most in the Mountain West. They're just the best team in the Mountain West. Plain and simple. So help win the conference again versus San Diego State. For the Pac-12, the North is not great. Out of all of the teams in the North that I know of, I don't know about Cal, but five out of the six teams that I know for sure lost their starting quarterback from the season before. Oregon lost Justin Herbert. Washington lost Jacob Eatson. Washington State lost Aaron uh, lost Gore Anthony Gordon. Stanford lost KJ Costello, who transferred to Mississippi State all of these teams lost their starting quarterbacks from the season before but Oregon is still without Justin Herbert a very talented team that just came off a Rose Bowl berth and won the Rose Bowl so I don't think any team in the western or in the northern side of the Pac-12 is going to challenge Oregon this year Oregon's got a transfer quarterback coming in they also got some good young quarterbacks and they got starting running backs coming back too so I think Oregon wins the North, and for the South, uh, I'm going to give it to USC. I think they'll challenge Utah State very, very hard in this conference. Utah, or not Utah State, Utah, a very talented team, but I think Keaton Slovis could prove to be crucial for USC. Maybe UCLA bounces back. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, going into his third year, shows shows some brilliance at times. Arizona State, also a good challenge. Jaden Daniels is coming back. True freshman last year finished eight and five last year. Arizona State did. They could easily be up there in the South for the Pac-12. Utah, uh, actually, you know what? They'll probably win the. They'll win the. The. They'll win the South again. They will, won't they? They lost Zach Moss, which is a huge loss. Huge loss for Utah, and they lost the starting quarterback. So, do you think they'll actually still be challenging? from this next season. USC, Keaton Slovis is there. Yes, they lost Michael Pittman. Yes, they lost Austin Jackson to the NFL. But I think USC, I think they'll take it. I think USC will take the conference. Still got Amon Ross St. Brown, who had 1,000 yards receiving last year and six touchdowns. I think USC will win that side of the conference. So Oregon versus USC in the Pac-12 championship. Utah lost a starting quarterback and starting running back. A lot of people left in the Pac-12. A lot of people are gone. I think Arizona State could be one of those dark horses. And UCLA, they may have lost Josh Kelly. They're starting running back, but their quarterback's still very talented. So maybe they could sneak up in there. But I'm going with USC, Utah coming second, then Arizona State third. Maybe Arizona State could challenge Utah a little bit. They got a good team. Arizona State's a little sneaky this year. 8-5 and five last year, just struggling the conference. We got Oregon versus USC there. For the SEC, oof. Georgia versus Florida is going to be tough this year. Kyle Trask for Florida. Then you got Jamie Newman coming in for Georgia. That's tough. Who will take that one? Let's start with the West first. Alabama wins the West. Okay, now we move back to the East. Um, but Alabama, they always lose, but they they brought a lot of people back, even though they lost a decent amount of people. I think Bryce Young, the true freshman from uh matter day over in california will start day one for alabama it's between him and mac jones to alia tagaviola transferred to maryland so it's between those two a lot of people compare bryce jones to kyler murray and say he's even a better prospect coming out of high school than kyler murray and kyler murray is one of the best high school prospects at a quarterback state in a while and he's bryce jones is good bo nicks at auburn will challenge their LSU. I don't know what they're going to do. That 14 players went to the NFL. That's a lot of people to replace. You got the best receiver in the country in Jamar Chase. You got the best corner in the country in Stingley. But you lost Clyde Jalair. You lost Joe Burrow, who put up God numbers at LSU last year. The greatest season I've ever seen a quarterback have ever. So I don't know what they'll, I don't know what they'll do there. Lost a lot of people. Clay Von has gone. Patrick Queen gone. Those are just some people. Those are the people. Justin Jefferson, gone. Thaddeus Moss, gone. Like, there's so many people that are gone. I don't know how Brennan, if he is going to go in and start day one for LSU, will do. Expectations will be high on LSU, but I'm going to go with Alabama winning the conference with Bryce Young as the starter. They got the best receiving core in college football this year. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith being the spearheads of those receiving core. Najee Harris is back. Alex Leatherwood's back at the left tackle. Moses, Dylan Moses is back at linebacker. Patrick Sertan's one of the best cornerback prospects in the country. Maybe, maybe he is the best. I think he is the best cornerback in the country. He's got the size to be an elite corner in the NFL. Alabama will win the SEC this year. Uh, yes, they got a new quarterback, but I think Bryce Young is talented enough to be the guy that can lead Alabama to the promised land. Maybe not the national championship game, but I think they can win the SEC. Or, if not, Mac Jones, he didn't do anything wrong to lose the job this year, but Bryce Jones could, Bryce Young could just beat him out this year. As far as the East goes, it's between Florida and Georgia. Both teams finished in the top 10 last year. Georgia finished fourth, Florida finished sixth, Florida finished 11-2, Georgia finished 12-2. Georgia, arguably the best defense in the country, allowed 84 points a game. Didn't really lose a ton off there. They did lose their two starting tackles. Isaiah Wynn, or Isaiah Wilson and Andrew Thomas, which is going to be Hughes. They lost the starting quarterback. Florida didn't lose as much. The thing that Georgia struggled with last year was scoring. They lost DeAndre Swift as well. They lost a lot of people on that team. Florida, Kyle Trask going to his first full year as a starter. We'll see how Florida does in the running game. They didn't have a rusher over 1,000 yards this year. And Michael Pirine is now in the NFL. He had 646, 76 yards last year. So that's going to be a big, big loss. Damon Pierce is going to replace him. He only had 300 yards rushing last year, 305. So that's a, the rushing attack for Florida is going to have to improve. Van Jefferson is gone as well as a second round pick this year by the LA Rams. So they lost a lot of people. I'm just going to give it to Georgia just off the fact that Their defense is so good and is always good that I think they can – I don't know. And losing C.J. Henderson for Florida is big too. Georgia, I just – yeah, I'm going to go Georgia-Alabama for the SEC Championship game. I'm going to go Alabama winning it. Uh, You got Felipe Franks going to Arkansas. You got – oh, crap. Mike Leach and K.J. Costello going to Mississippi State. Kellen Mond still there at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss, Lynn Bowden's gone at, at Kentucky. you got some interesting storylines going on in the SEC this year, but you got a lot of good quarterbacks gone. Jeez, Jake Fromm, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Lynn Bowden for Kentucky. You got some talented quarterbacks that left. So we'll see how they do going into this year, but I think Bryce Young and Alabama will get it done. They returned a lot of people. They have too much talent on that team not to win the West this year if Bryce Young is the starter. And for the Sun Belt Conference, Appalachian State always wins the freaking East. they always win the freaking Conference. And Louisiana, the Rays Cajuns win the West. It's a two-horse race in that, and I don't really need to do a lot of explaining for that. Maybe Georgia Southern challenges a little more this year for Appalachian State, but Appalachian State's just... It's, they're just the best team in the conference. I mean, just not very much explaining to do there. So let's go through the conferences again. For the AAC, we got UCF playing Memphis. For the ACC, Clemson versus North Carolina. Big 12, we have Oklahoma winning that. They will play Texas in the Big 12 championship game with Oklahoma winning it. Big 10 East, going to go Ohio State. Big 10 West, Wisconsin. CUSA, Western Kentucky, and Louisiana Tech. FBS, N- Independence, Notre Dame wins the conference. MAC, I'm going to go with Buffalo versus Central Michigan with Buffalo winning the championship. Mountain West, Boise State versus San Diego State with Boise State winning it. Pac-12, Oregon versus USC, Oregon winning the Pac-12. SEC, Georgia versus Alabama with Alabama winning the championship and the-, the Sun Belt. Appalachian State versus Louisiana. I think those are very fair. I don't think there's a lot where they could point out and go, man, that's really stupid. I think North Carolina, though they finished 7-6, and six, the coastal side of the ACC is not that strong. I think Miami, North Carolina could really challenge there. Maybe Virginia, I'd see how they do without Bryce Perkins. See how Virginia Tech does, too, because they could still make some noise there as well. They finished 8-5 and five last year, but I just think North Carolina has too much talent returning to not win the coastal side of the ACC. So with that being said, let's take a quick short break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. Let's look at the Missouri Valley Football Conference and see what we think could go on in the Missouri Valley. Will North Coast State come back and win it again? What will you and I do? All of that coming up right after this short break. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the last few minutes of this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are enjoying today. I hope it's an enjoyable day. I hope you all are having a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic day. If not, that's too bad. But turn your day around. Just turn it around. Turn your day around. As you if you listen to the last little portion of Logan Blackman show, we were discussing the conference standings for each major conference in the FBS. Actually, not major conference, all the conferences in the FBS. So if you didn't listen to that, if you just happen to skip to this portion of the show. Then I would go back and listen to that. For right now, let's go over the Missouri Valley Conference. And are way too early, like way too early. We don't have any like spring ball to worry about. We didn't have any spring practices. We didn't have anything that who looked good in those. So we don't really know anything about the Missouri Valley and conference in football, co- just college football in general. But for this Friday edition of the Black, which I thought would be fun to do. Go through each schedule of the Missouri Valley Conference and predict who would win. So, starting off with North Coast State, they'll win the conference again. They have won eight national championships, eight or nine national championships, and it feels like in a row. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I can't really remember. But they play Oregon to start off their season. Oregon, yes, they lost Justin Herbert, but their team is still very good from the season before. So, North Coast State will probably lose in Eugene, but a closer game than what a lot of people may be expecting from. If you're just an FBS fan, if you haven't looked at the FCS at all or pay attention to the FCS, you'd probably just think it'd be a whitewash of North Coast or Oregon just beating the crap out of North Coast State. But give North Dakota State some credit; they'll push them a little bit. Trey Lance, one of the best quarterbacks in college football, regardless of division, and I think they'll pressure him. But other than that, I don't see him losing the rest of the game, the rest of the season. I think they'll lose to Oregon. I think the game at UNI will be extremely tough for North Coast State, but I think that they'll just be too much for UNI, much like that the, what they were the last time these two teams played, where they just tired UNI out and just killed them in the second half. But that being said, UNI could surprise some people and just beat North Coast State. They beat them two times ago when they played them at the Unidome. They lost to them last time they played in the Unidome, with a again much like last year, a great second half performance from North Coast State to seal the game off. So, I think that's a similar thing we could see happen here. It seems like a pattern now where they'll play them tough in the first half. North Coast State will make their halftime adjustments, and then it'll just be over. North Dakota State will win by double digits. Hopefully, that doesn't happen this year. I think I is much better than what they were in years gone by. They've returned pretty much every starter from last year. So, that's going to be a tough game. With that being said, I have and I coming second, going 9-2 in they're in the season they went 10 and 5 last year 6 and 2 in the conference went undefeated at home I have them losing to North Coast State in Iowa where they play week one I think the Iowa game could be a very close game Iowa losing of course AJ Epineza Michael O'Jamudia, Gino Stone Nate Stanley Tristan Wirfs lost a lot of people but they still have very talent they still have a talented roster they have Alaric Jackson there on the left side they have Spencer Petras coming in as the new star Tyler Goodson Still have Brandon Smith, Amir Smith, marset Nico Regani, Oliver Martin. Still have those guys there. So they may have lost some people. They still have a lot of talent coming back from the season prior. I think it'd be close, but I think you and I just doesn't have enough to beat Iowa as of right now. North Dakota State. We've already talked about that game, but I think you and I could easily win the rest of their games. Nine and two, seven and one in conference play. Uh, South Dakota State. They came fourth, but got the playoff spot over you and I. Though finishing with the worst regular season record and worst conference record, but they got the playoff spot. So whatever. Uh, South Dakota State eight and three, I think is reasonable for them. Jabore Gibbs will be coming back as the starter. He was hurt all season last year. If you look what happened last year, they lost to Minnesota, and then they lost towards the end of the season. They went two and four in their last six games. This is including playoffs as well. So they lost to North Dakota State, Illinois State, South Dakota State, and then lost to I in the playoffs after beating and I 38-7 in the regular season, beating Missouri State as well. They beat the teams they were supposed to beat and lost to some teams that they probably should have not lost, like Illinois State and South Dakota. Probably should not have lost those games, but they did. Barely lost to Minnesota, but Jabore Gibbs will be coming back. He was hurt early last season, I think him coming back will be big for South Coast State. And I think they'll finish, what did I have Matt eight 8-3, 6-2 and, three, six and two in the conference. Illinois State's an interesting one because they lost their starting running back from a season before in Robinson, who had 2,000 yards rushing. They lost their starting quarterback. Or wait, no, they did not. Was, that was Youngstown State. Yeah, Illinois State just lost their starting running back. Now they're coming into the season, it looks like Brady Davis will be the starting quarterback for Illinois State going into this season. Started some last year. He split – he's – jeez, Bear. If you can't hear, that's my dog, Bear, barking at nothing. Just just his usual self. But last year, Illinois State went in and, yeah, they had – some success last year. to some surprise of others. But that was a big reason because of Robinson. They went ten and five last year. Losing Robinson's huge. Their quarterback play is all right at best. But I think they could go anywhere from seven and four to eight and three. I think they could do something like that. They've still got talent on their roster. They lost quite a few people, but I still think they got they're talented enough to finish in the top four of the Missouri Valley. Outside the top four, I think you could a pick and choose of where people go. I think Western Missouri Western Illinois. And Missouri State will come last. Both have two easy games. Western Illinois is at the start of the year. Missouri State's at the beginning of the year, or the middle of the year. Neither one of those two teams play each other. So that's big. And you got North Dakota coming in from, they were an FCS independent team last year. They made the playoffs. How will they do now that they're in a conference? Well, I think they can go somewhere around, I think they'll go 5-6 and six or 6-5 six and five this year. So again, they're playing 11 games. I think 4-4 four and four in the conference is reasonable for North Dakota in their first year in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Again, Western Illinois, Missouri State will be the worst. Youngstown State last year finished 6 and 6, 2 and 6 in the conference. I think they'll do better in the conference. I think they're going 4 and 4. I think they can finish 6 and 5 this year, maybe go 5 and 6. Somewhere around there for Youngstown State. Indiana State, they went 5 and 7 last year. I have them going 4 and 7, 2 and 6 in the conference. They don't have a very talented football team. Ryan Boyle's not coming back. So it's just they're I don't know how good they're I don't think they're going to be very good this again this is way too early for this but we're doing it anyways South Dakota lost their starting quarterback from Council Bluffs Lewis Central he's gone so they're going to have to figure out how to replace him he did everything for their offense last year and they still finished five and seven so what are they going to do without him I think four and seven is reasonable for South Dakota this year SIU losing Jeremy Chin is huge to their team was easily their best player on their team last year. Now he's gone to the NFL, so now South Dakota State or uh, Southern Illinois finished seven and five last year. I'm going five and six this year. This way too again. I can't stress how early this is. We're May twenty second. We've had no spring ball, no spring practices, no nothing. So I'm going this blind. I just went through a schedule and thought who I thought would win. This isn't basing it off of who's coming back, who's doing this. Because if I did that, North Dakota State would just win the conference. And I'd just be simple. You and I'd come second. And then Western Illinois, Missouri State come second and last and last. Middle could be up for debate. I think the top two and the bottom two are locked. I think South Dakota State's a near lock at third. Um, I think Indiana State's a near lock at third to last. So, like the Missouri, the Missouri Valley Conference is tough. It's the toughest conference in FCS football. I don't know enough about these teams going into the season i haven't analyzed their rosters as a whole yet because the fcs didn't get talked about as much i know who the best teams are i know who the worst teams are in the conference the middle of the road teams like a southern illinois like a south dakota or indiana state or illinois state they lost players that i know of but they could bring back some very talented players as well robinson for illinois state it's a huge blow losing him because he was everything in their offense south dakota state lost their quarterback Indiana State struggled without Ryan Boyle, and now he's not coming back. Southern Illinois lost Jeremy Chin, but how will their offense be affected this year? Will they still finish around 7-5? Tough to tell. We'll get a further analysis of this as we get closer to the fall and if we actually get a college football season. That's the goal. Get a college football season. The ultimate goal. That's Nothing else really matters except just get a season. Just get a season. That's all everybody wants. Will it happen? Is it feasible? I don't know. It's going to be hard to get everything locked up, see if everything is safe to continue. go back to normal, see if fans will come back because that's a big thing in football and sports in general is the fan experience and fans provide the home field advantage and all that sort of stuff. So, I hope the season comes back. Is it realistic that it does come back? I don't know. We might be pushing it a little bit, but one can hope. One can truly hope. I think you and I as far as the Missouri Valley Conference is concerned, could push North Coast State. I think that first home game of the year, or her first home game of Missouri Valley Conference football play from you and I, is going to be huge against North Coast State. First game of the conference year for both those teams. You and I is going to be tested. You and I has got a lot of people back, but North Coast State is still extremely talented and also has a lot of people back from an undefeated national championship winning team. You and I's offense, oh, geez. Battled injury after injury last year. I think that's huge. They got some really good recruits coming in. Will McElvain is entrenched as the starter at UNI. No one's challenging him. You got good wide receivers. Briley Moore leaving is huge, but they'll replace him because he didn't play all of last year except for a little bit of the Iowa State game. So they'll figure out ways to get the offense going. Defense will be good as always, because that's what UNI has always had. They've always had a good defense. Throughout their history, UNI's always got a good defense. Omar Brown, one of the best corners in FCS. Xavier Williams is coming back as well. Very talented team. They will be pushing North Coast State. I just think North Coast State's too talented at the time being for UNI to actually go in and upset them. Now, I could be completely wrong, and I hope I'm wrong because I'm a UNI fan. I go to UNI, I've talked to some of the players before. I'm a UNI fan. I don't want them to lose North Coast State. But my gut feeling as we're sitting here on May 22nd is that the UNI Panthers will fall short against North Coast State. I hope I'm wrong. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I think will and the offense will be vastly improved on what they were last year. And I don't think they'll be battling as in, as many injuries as they did last year. If they do, then that's very sad because they're a very talented team. I think if the injury bug hurts them this year, I it's just unfair to them. They don't deserve to have that happen to them. They're very talented, and I hope, I hope that they're up there with the best of them this year, which I think they can be. I think you and I will be up there. And with that being said, let's end it here on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know we did not get to top five dumbest things, top five stupidest things in an organization's history. We had a weird day on Wednesday so we didn't get anything typed up on that on Wednesday or on Thursday. I should have done that this morning. I I got downstairs to do the show, and I just completely forgot about it, to be 100% honest with you. And, yeah, we'll get that to you on Monday. I'll try to get that on – no, we're not going to be here on Monday. We're going to be in Cedar Falls on Monday. So we'll get we'll, – we will do it next Friday. I promise we'll do the tier list. We'll do that on Friday. We'll do uh, – the top five dumbest. It's either between the bears or the jets. I haven't decided between the two. That was one thing that I struggled with. I didn't know which team to do because both teams have a history of doing dumb things. So let's end it here on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show. And I will see you on Wednesday, not Monday. Cause I will be up in Cedar falls. That's when our lease starts for our new place. So I'll be up there, but I hope you all enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your years in the future. In days, months, years, whatever. Just enjoy it, and I will see you guys later. Have a great day, and peace.